Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. It is ridiculous that Maricopa County has to go to the legislature to get permission to go to the ballot to, to, to for something for their region. But this is something that's important for the whole state. If Maricopa doesn't get this, then every other region in the state is going to be competing with Maricopa for transportation dollars. They might be just just a little bit afraid that perhaps light rail isn't going to isn't going to pass while the, the other bucket would. So it, this does exactly what the proponents want. The, let the voters decide. I do not like public shaming. I don't like it in schools. I don't like it in churches. And I darn sure don't like it here as it's been used as a weapon. The message that this representative's actions did sent to all the other members of this house who are believing Christians and to the millions of believing Arizonans is that their beliefs and their values are no longer welcome in the halls of their own government. And we need to recognize that the counties outside of Maricopa matter. And this makes sure the other 14 counties matter. Months of effort, all to do something that should have been so simple, which is to get water to the people of Rio Verde, yes, but to the people of Arizona. And with me to talk about an eventful two days at the state capitol, including a vote to censure a state representative and much more, our former gubernatorial candidate, Christine Jones. Christine, good morning. Good morning. And former state lawmaker, Aaron Lieberman. Aaron, good morning to you. Good morning. Great to be here. So, Aaron, uh, you spent some time in the legislature. It didn't get a lot of two-day weeks, though, did you? No, nor did we ever go this long into July. It's, <laughs> it's silly season down at the Capitol, for sure. So what do you make of sort of what their plan is? They took several weeks off. They came back for a couple of days. Now they're taking, what, five or so weeks off, and they're going to come back and maybe do some gubernatorial appointments? Yeah, look, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's particularly, honestly, bordering into the shameful with the $400,000 we're going to pay in state tax levy dollars to pay lawmakers um, to sit around for the month. You know, it, there's no reason they couldn't have done whatever they need to do, specifically on the nominations. They've had these since, you know, January in many cases. They should have gotten to work a long time ago. And uh, someone said, you know, and any legislative day after June, you, you usually don't like what you see and what you get down there. And they should wrap this thing up and they should have done it a long time ago. Christine, what do you think? I mean, in, in the private sector, not a lot of people get in two-day work weeks. And, you know, you could make the argument the last time that they took a break that there were some big issues, the housing issue, the Prop 400 issue, that they really need to try to hammer some things out, maybe without distractions. But now they're taking five more weeks off. For, as Aaron said, they've had nominations for months now. Yeah, this is one where Aaron and I probably agree more than we might on, on some other issues. This seems like a symptom of the larger problem with the Hobbs administration. We've seen this repeatedly, not just on appointments, but on other issues as well. If you can't staff your government, you probably aren't going to get a whole lot done. So while I'm hopeful that we, we can see some progress, it just feels like doing this after what were we now into, you know, almost uh, six full months of legislative opportunity is a real shame. And even the $400,000 doesn't bother me as much as it does suggest that we have people in the in the legislature and on the ninth floor who simply cannot or will not work together. And I'm disappointed. 
hopeful but disappointed. Yeah, that that is, I think, a way that a lot of a lot of folks watching state government operate. Christine, is there maybe a, a better way to have done this? I mean, as Aaron said, like this is basically unprecedented. Like we've never had a legislative session this long or like w- this kind of disjointed with long breaks followed by flurries of activity. Well, and this will sound biased because we sit in the studio with him from time to time, but I wish they would have brought Chad Campbell back earlier mm. and or somebody like Chad who has experience, who's been in the legislature, who's been the speaker, who's run a legislative agenda because it feels like the lack of experience and the lack of sort of affirmative uh, attempt to get some of these things done earlier were hampered by the fact that you didn't have somebody there like a Kirk Adams, like a Chad Campbell, who were really well-versed in, in prioritizing and, and, you know, sort of getting to the finish line. But I'm a big fan of Chad. I think you are as well. And hopefully now that he's there, we can see some adult supervision and, and get some of these, these uh, sort of even perfunctory things accomplished. Yeah, Chad Campbell, former uh, regular newscap guest, now a chief of staff to Governor right. Hobbs. Well, I, you know, right. I, 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 again, I think Christine and I agree on the on the gist of this. I think it's a little bit of blaming the victim to to blame Governor Hobbs for the fact that um, Jake Hoffman won't consider her nominees in a regular course of business. I think it's really clear that the idea of concentrating all the all the review of nominees in one committee head is a terrible idea, never done previously. The Senate regularly approved, uh, you know, Governor Ducey's nominees with very little problem. Obviously, there's going to be more scrutiny with the Democrat, but but you know, my message to Senator Hobbs. And do your job. You're sitting on these things. The state government has to work and, and the Senate needs to get in and vote and, and handle this stuff and get out of session. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, I'm sure anyone feels like the governor could have done things differently. But the reality here is the dysfunction is coming from one place. And that's Senator Hoffman in the Senate. And um, it needs to stop. Aaron, let me ask you about something that lawmakers did do this week, which was approve a plan to basically extend Prop 400, Maricopa County's half-cent sales tax. It was not, however, the plan that Governor Hobbs wanted. It was not the plan that the Maricopa Association of Governments wanted, and the governor said she'll veto it. It seems as though, like, free Maricopa is going to be the new slogan that we're all going to be hearing over the next several months. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked for Willie, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to get something. Thank you for getting that reference. We'll, we'll, we'll get something that. done here. Um, look, I, I, again, I think the reality is, and I give the governor a lot of credit. Many governors don't actually comment in advance and, you know, the legislature saying, oh, maybe we didn't know. She's been very clear on this. And by the way, the people she's standing with, the Maricopa, you know, MAG, these are largely, most of them are nonpartisan elections, but these are largely Republican mayors of our town all across and outside of uh, the city of Phoenix that that completely support a unified plan to do this. I think light rail is like 3% of the overall project. And they know that when they start to split it, you just, funny things can happen. And when, when you go to the ballot, there are billions of federal dollars online. And this is something that is broadly supported by people throughout the county. I, again, I think it is strange. I didn't even really understand that Maricopa alone has to go. Yeah, to the, the only county that has to do yeah, this. Yeah, that has to go to the legislature. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but it, to, to Christine's previous point, it's part of, it's a symptom to a larger problem, which is, uh, in my view, like adults not working together to, to, to get this done. And this thing in particular, um, picking unnecessary fights. And I, I've seen that a lot, but it seems to be uh, growing in terms of people's willingness to get in the way of big things. One, one last thing on this point, um, I, you know, I think Governor Ducey did some good things. I think Governor Ducey did some things I disagree with. I, I think by far um, his lowest moment was vetoing this. This was all done 
last legislative session. All he had to do was sign it on his way out the door, and we would have this whole thing resolved. And it, it's really too bad that he didn't. Christine, it's really clear that a number of Republicans really don't like light rail and don't want money to to go toward it. They'd much rather have money on roads and freeways and, and arterials and things like that. But to Aaron's point, when you have mayors from across the region, the planning agency, the governor, and, you know, frankly, probably some number of Republicans being okay with some money going to uh, to light rail. What was the thinking, do you think, behind sending the governor a plan that they lawmaker leaders probably had to know that she wasn't going to support? Well, I think most of what they've sent her this session, they knew she was not going to support, and she has been the champion of no. So the, speaking of movie slogans, I think the, <laughs> the issue, yeah, the, the issue here is if you are going to ask for 20 billion with a B, 20 billion dollars over the next number of years, demonstrate that you're going to have writers, demonstrate that you're going to uh, alleviate traffic congestion, all of the things that would justify that kind of massive spending. That's really the issue for the Republicans is they see light rail trains going up and down Central and up and down Washington and out into Mesa and they're empty. And so they just have not ever been able to get their mind around whether this money is going to be well spent. Now, just as a bit of intrigue, I'm hearing that we're potentially going to have a new mayor of of Mesa who was the old mayor of Mesa and he is a huge champion as you know former and he Scott has a Smith way of, yeah I wasn't going to say his name okay but since you said it <laughs> yeah so Scott Smith if he did become the mayor of Mesa again you may see a whole shift in thinking because he is a huge champion of this as you know former head of, and, of Valley Metro uh, yes as it as it turns out so that could be a way to get the Republicans to say all right Mr. Mayor tell us really what is the benefit of this? But in, less than until they do that, the Republicans are going to be entrenched. And I mean, they are passionately opposed to spending this kind of money on something where they don't see benefits. Christine, do you think it's possible for supporters of this plan to get something on the ballot, to collect the signatures and go through the, the campaign of getting something on the ballot to, as we talked about, free Maricopa, to make it so that Maricopa County does not need legislative approval for this kind of thing, and then to put basically an extension of Prop 400 on the ballot? Is that like is that too heavy a lift or is that possible, do you think? Well, we've seen this happen in other ballot initiatives, right? But we're talking about quarter of a million signatures they've got to gather, which is a heavy lift. And then you also have the available money to spend against this kind of a thing. Logically, it doesn't seem to make sense that Maricopa of the 15 counties is the only one who has to ask permission from all the voters around the state to get this kind of thing done. But again, if you're if you're not going to demonstrate what the benefit is, you don't have an appetite. And recall, Governor Brewer did this with the one cent sales tax increase, and mm -hmm. she's still in 2023 being criticized for that effort. And it's, you know, 10 years later. So right. I, I think it's I think it is a very difficult task. But would it make sense, you know, sort of logically to get it done? I, I'd have to say yes. Aaron, does that seem like the most likely scenario? I mean, Governor Hobbs said, you know, maybe she was asked about the possibility of a special session. She said, well, I'm not really sure that there's a lot of utility in that. Um, and, you know, she's seemingly, I mean, objectively probably right. As Christine said, you know, people who are opposed to what she wants are fairly entrenched in what they want. 
does does it seem like going to around the legislature directly to voters is is the most likely option here? Yeah, it, it very well may happen. Of course, you know, a lot of barriers have been erected over the last you know three or four legislative sessions to make that harder to do. Uh, but but I think that's probably where we're headed. I would hope that Speaker Toma might might relent on this and say, okay, you know, that that's the one possible advantage of sticking around and having something in three and a half weeks is for calmer heads to prevail. Again, I've seen that you know where people get dug in and say absolutely no way, and then you show up for work and you look at the calendar and it's you know that's what you're voting on and it's 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 all kind of lined up and ready to go. I hope that's what happens here. We really really need this for uh, Maricopa County to continue to keep growing like it has been. All right. That is Aaron Lieberman, also joined by Christine Jones. I'm Mark Brody in Phoenix. Christine, let me ask you about uh, the the uh, demise of some housing bills in the legislature. Um, when lawmakers came into session in January, this was seen as one of the top issues, you know, a big thing that, you know, an issue that had to be dealt with. And uh, Senator Steve Kaiser has been working on this for more than a year now. Sounded like he had support, but the deal kind of fell apart uh, once lawmakers came back to the Capitol. How significant of a of a thing is this that the legislature didn't really do much on the issue of housing this year, do you think? Well, uh, again, symptom of a larger problem, mm-hmm. right? It is significant. And we've seen so much coverage of what's going on down in the zone, you know, sort of these blocks downtown where homeless encampments have risen. And we've got a weird judicial uh, conflict for Maricopa County, which is pitting the federal court against the state court. So there are lots of complexities. And you're right, Senator Kaiser has done the the spade work to, you know, to try to get some of these things accomplished. But listen, the Republicans are not going to get their heads around this unless they can, I feel like I'm having the light rail conversation again. <laughs> yeah. Unless unless you can demonstrate, and I and I think Kaiser has tried, but unless you can demonstrate why this is helpful to mental health, addiction, you know, other problems that lead to people being homeless or lead to lack of affordability or, you know, those sorts of things are not going to be um, supported by Republicans. If you can't tell them why this is going to help get people who have unfortunately ended up on the street off the street or people who can't afford to, you know, have a basic place to live. It, it just, and, and you know, poor, poor Kaiser, thought he had the majority, the majority, and, you know, sort of it fell apart in the end. Yeah. But it's because you've got the the Hoffmans and the Livingstons and the, and the people who are saying, yeah, but it, this isn't really going to help. We're not going to give people cheap places to live if they're not going to live in them. Or if when they live in them, they're just going to go in and destroy them. And, and, you know, unless you can demonstrate that, I think it doesn't matter how many years Kaiser spends on this, it's just never going anywhere. Well, and Aaron, Senator Kaiser, at least legislatively in an elected position, didn't spend any more time on this at all. He says that he's leaving the legislature, although he did say it's not because of this, because of the failure of these bills. Yeah, it, it definitely has a, I'm taking my ball and going home feel to it, for sure. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I think, again, you know, you look at people like Representative Pollack, you look at people like Steve Kaiser, people who are down there and willing to put the state first and try to work together to get things done. And when they increasingly say, I, I don't want to do this anymore, um, it, you know, they Again, I just get back to someone is not stirring the drink right, and we're we're not getting to a place where we used to be in this state, where our legislators kind of thought, okay, we're down there to to fight and disagree, of course, but ultimately to solve problems. 
And I don't think there's a bigger problem than homelessness. I still hear about it from people all the time. And the inability to get anything done on housing is really sad. And I, I feel bad for Senator Kaiser, honestly, for, for he was an honest broker. He really went, you know, he repeatedly felt like he had something. And you, you just hear this from people who want to get things done. They get so frustrated at what happens down at the Capitol and the legislature. And eventually they just kind of reach a breaking point and say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put any more time at this because I'm not able to make a difference. Well, and Aaron, to Christine's point of this being sort of a symptom of a larger problem, we had both Senator Kaiser and representatives from the League and City of Cities and Towns on during the session, and both of them were pretty, like, staunch in their support or opposition, and yet they were able to hammer out an agreement that both of them could live with, but then he couldn't get the support in the legislature. Yeah, it, it just gets to compromise is not a dirty word, right? When you have people who are willing to actually say, you, you don't get everything, but you got to work it out, and they didn't start on the same page, but they got they got yeah. to an agreement. I mean, to me, this is a whole whole different topic, but it just kind of gets to, we have gotten so polarized, truthfully, on, you know, on both sides. That's why I think, and maybe we should talk about this at some point in the future, these initiatives to try to get to ranked choice voting, to try to get to open primaries, to to try to break down the system that produces this incredible polarization is really increasingly important for the state. Christine, one thing the House did do this week uh, during its two days in session was censure one of its members, Representative Stephanie Stahl-Hamilton. But that only came after a, a motion to expel her failed by quite a few votes. They needed a, a two-thirds vote, and they didn't get a simple majority. I'm curious what you make of the effort to try to expel her and then the successful effort to censure her. Well, again, to Aaron's point about compromise, the it seems to be a, a dirty word, right? It's almost like a four-letter profanity at this point. But the the evidence stacked against her was pretty significant. The Republicans, I think, have and will continue to take the position that voters get to pick their representation. We don't want to choose for them, which is why the expulsion is very difficult. But on the censure piece, getting to yes on that, I think was you know, a, a tiny ray of sunshine in an otherwise dark space <laughs> down there, because it does demonstrate that if we set up a set of facts, if we prove that, you know, look, Hamilton, you knew what you were doing here, or if you didn't, you should have. That says to me that at least you have some, what was the word you used, Aaron, cooler minds prevailing to say, we're not going to let people just randomly um, create chaos without some consequence. So I was personally encouraged by that. I do think in the next cycle, if she runs again, she wins. So I, you know, I, I think it, it may be much ado about nothing, but it does suggest that maybe there's a tiny bit of compromise going on and, and that could be a good omen for, you know, getting something done in the future. Aaron, does censure seem like the right the right punishment here? This was over, of course, the scandal that has become known as Biblegate. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, I thought the public uh, kind of humiliation she had to endure and her willingness to apologize. And again, you know, I think the last time we were here, we were talking about yep. the same topic, by yep. the way. Crazy to me in a state with a $1 billion runaway train of a voucher program and all of these other issues. Where, you know, the legislature is spending so much time on someone putting a Bible underneath a seat cushion. It was a stupid thing to do. She has absolutely said that and admitted that. Again, I think... Uh, I personally would have loved to see people take more of a what I think people think of as a Christian view of forgiveness on this and just recognizing she admitted it. She moved on. I thought David Cook's speech was actually excellent on this. And it's one of the reasons I really am fond of of, of Mr. Cook is that he'll kind of sometimes speak truth to power. It's 
insane to me that there was an expulsion vote on this and even crazier that 26 people voted to expel a member. I mean, to Christine's point, don't we let the voters decide these things? Uh, it would have been funny to see how quickly she was reappointed, by the way, by the county commissioner. <laughs> she would have been back there Tuesday. Would, that, yeah. would, would have been my guess. Um, the censure thing seemed like a bridge too far. I personally would have hoped that maybe there could have been something worked out, uh, even among the Democratic leadership to say, OK, there should be some consequences. She said this. Here's what we're going to do and kind of move on. I remember, you know, when when other lawmakers uh, in the majority had that situation, the speaker kind of dealt with it and said, here's what we're going to do. I think that might be a better approach in this type of thing is to let the the leader of that respective party say, OK, what's the what's the consequence going to be? But I, I don't think it was our, our our finest hour down there for sure. Christine, I'm curious why, and I don't want to ask you to get into the minds of anybody, but why would GOP leadership try to expel her? They Again, like we, we talked about bills going to the governor that they know she's going to veto. They're good at counting votes. Like they had to know this wasn't going to wasn't going to happen. Was it just to prove a point that they that they try to expel her and let people get up and, and say their piece? OK, so let's get in their minds. <laughs> <laughs> let's don't even pretend like we're not trying to do that. They know who their voters are. They know that the majority of people are over 55. They know that the that the videotape that shows her doing what she did is so offensive to most of their voters that they, when they go back to their districts and they didn't call for expulsion, even knowing that it wasn't going to happen, they would have been criticized. So again, much ado about nothing. We Even if they knew it wasn't gonna happen, they wanted the dog and pony show. They wanted to see the, the video played over and over and over and over again, right? I disagree with Aaron on this. I do think if you're going to engage in that kind of behavior, and it doesn't matter to me if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you should be punished for it because it's inappropriate. And we have to hold our elected officials to a higher standard. So if somebody else does something like bringing in a crazy witness that doesn't have any factual basis for their uh, demonstration, if somebody is stealing things, it's going to happen again. And it should, right? You, you, you should expose that and the voters are, as I say, probably going to send her back. And if they don't, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors will. But yeah, the I, sure, I know it's not going to happen, but we should be punishing people who do stupid stuff like that in elected positions. Uh, the, on, the only other thing I was just going to say on this topic is I, I suspect the strategy was let's get a few Republicans who are on the fence to feel like censure is actually the 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 Goldilocks kind of, you know, mm. just right option by giving them a chance to vote against something more severe to say, hey, I'm not totally with the with the crazy extremists. And then censure feels like mm, that that's not so crazy as opposed to just putting it out there and maybe the censure itself would have failed. Christine, we have just a few seconds left. I want to ask you, I'm sorry to ask you this big question toward the end with not much time left. The uh, the bill uh, dealing with water to Rio Verde, uh, Alexander Colladin, this is a bill that it seems like Governor Hobbs may support. She called for this earlier. Does this make a, an appreciable difference quickly for the folks up there who are, who are really working to get their water? Well, I, I'm a big water studier, so we could talk about this for hours, but in brief, we have to have people have a way to transfer their water when they don't have any. And I think shame on you, governor, shame on you, legislature, shame on you, Rio Verde, shame on you, Scottsdale, figure it out and get these people a basic fundamental need. We're talking about, can they live or not? <laughs> so I, 
I, I think they have to get these people water, even if it was their own fault that they set up this situation themselves in the beginning. All right. That is one of the bills. We'll see what Governor Hobbs does uh, does with. We'll have to leave it there. Christine Jones, Aaron Lieberman, thank you both uh, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.